You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, we just got to watch the Kansas City Chiefs take down the Miami Dolphins yesterday as we record this on a Monday evening and a game in which they kind of sputtered and kind of didn't play their best football in the in the first little bit of it and probably towards the end either but in a game which they completely dominated in the second and in the third quarter yeah I mean they came out and it was kind of one of those it was really uncharacteristic game we've seen from the offense and it's kind of a weird game in general for when you look at it football, because you're not supposed to turn the ball over four times in a football game and be able to pull out a win. But when you have the firepower, the coaching and the talent that the Kansas City Chiefs have, you can overcome an awful lot. You certainly can in the in the Chiefs, you know, offensively, Mahomes, obviously, and I guess we'll just go right into it and we'll start there. Mahomes had the three interceptions. He had the fumble uh, um, that a little bit of a low snap, but still, as as a guy that played quarterback and coached quarterbacks, I'm I'm jumping all over over him on that one. You know, a little bit low, but you got to catch the football. Um, you know, just uncharacteristic stuff, a little bit high. But they're, they're, the thing that's crazy to me is everybody's jumping all over him, and I'm not trying to make excuses for him by any means because you know they weren't great plays um, by any stretch of the imagination. He was a little bit off on him. But at the same time, there was a little bit of luck involved, too, on that. You know, two tip passes that could have just as easily um, hit the turf with nobody around. And then Xavier Howard made an incredible one-handed interception. That is, you're not you're not going to see too many DBs in the NFL make that. That was, I believe they said, the fifth straight game where Xavier Howard's had an interception, too. So the guy's obviously a ball hawk and, and has good hands. So a little unlucky, you know, not great throws, maybe a little bit of a poor decisions, but the rest of the game, he only had 10 incompletions, threw for almost 400 yards and had two touchdowns. So uh, the the people that are kind of jumping all over him and like now it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the, is the favorite all of a sudden. And I don't know, it's, it's, I find it super, super interesting that all of a sudden like that one game, which his worst game is by far the be- better than a lot of maybe even half the league's um, you know, good games, I guess, for some of these starting quarterbacks. Yeah, and you take a look at it. He looked really unfazed by a lot of those interceptions because, as we've seen many times before, he's not the type of player to start to lose confidence in himself. Even on that third interception in which Xavier Howard, who's probably has his name in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year as he approaches that double-digit interception mark that was his ninth of the season he's starting to uh but you saw it with Mahomes he just came out on that last drive and when they absolutely needed it he was able to convert when they needed to and he came out and he was unfazed by the interceptions now the one was just kind of a botched screen pass I don't think it was very well blocked up front I think Mahomes could have just thrown the ball away or tried to heave it somewhere else where no one could have gotten to it but he just tried to be a little too aggressive there 
the one where he overthrows Clyde on that one, that one was probably just a, a poor pass that he just needs to work on getting it down a little bit lower so that, you know, CEH, because he really had a pretty good game catching the football. So he just needs to work on getting that down. And then, like we said, Xavier Howard made a talented play, but he never stopped firing and the Chiefs never stopped firing. And I thought it was really refreshing for once to see the team have to come pick up Mahomes after a slow start for him. And then we got to see everyone else kind of help carry the water a little bit. But then in the end, when they need to go down and kill the clock and win the game, you know, he was right there, kept on firing. And there was no question that the Chiefs were going to get the job done, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So I was listening to the Pat McAfee show today, and he they uh, had Michael Lombardi on, who's an ex-NFL GM, and he was talking about, um, well, McAfee kind of asked him, he said, you know, does do you think that there's anybody in the NFL or in the AFC right now that can even compete with the Chiefs? And he was mentioning how the Bills, you know, took care of business against the Steelers or whatever, and if maybe they're the closest or, or kind of what he thinks, because McAfee's like, it looks to me like these guys just get so bored because they're so good, and then all of a sudden they'll try and the game's over. And Lombardi's like, that's 100% what it is. He's like, you look at that game, he's referencing the Dolphins, he's like, you look at that game against the Dolphins, he's like, the Dolphins had all these turnovers, gave them everything they could handle, and then all of a sudden the Chiefs go, all right, we're going to turn it on, and the next thing you know, they're up 30-10 to 10 in the third quarter. And he's like, and then they get bored, and they let the Dolphins back in it, and they have to go win it again. It's just super interesting to kind of hear the different perspectives from some of these guys and, and like, you know, McAfee obviously played in the NFL for a long time. Lombardi was an NFL GM. So these guys have been around the game for a long time, but to hear him kind of say that, how it's just, it just looks so easy for Kansas city at times. And I think that's, that's the thing. And Lombardi even said, he's like, it's not like the chiefs aren't without their faults because they do have them. And we've, we've mentioned them multiple times and we're going to touch on them again in this podcast, but they're so dynamic in the pass game that it's just it just changes everything. And right now, the way that Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes are playing, I, I you know I don't that you can obviously lose to anybody in any week in the NFL, especially when it comes to the playoffs. But man, I don't know how they're not the the, the clear favorite going going into the playoffs and into um, and the rest of the way in this regular season even. Dude, right now, Travis Kelsey is looking like he's going to be have the greatest season of, in the history of the National Football League for a tight end. And I'm saying that because he is he looks like he's going to be leading the NFL in receiving, which for a tight end, that's ridiculous. But I believe he's like 127 yards away from shattering the all-time record for a season. So he's going to be shattering that probably this week against the Saints, and he might even go up a little bit more on it in the last two games of the season. We could touch on that a little bit later because I think it'll depend on what the playoff scenario is like to see how much time he'll get in the last couple of games of the regular season. But, you know, he was had another monster game. You know, I'm sitting here looking at it. He caught the ball for uh, eight receptions for 136 yards and a touchdown. Tyree Kill scored two touchdowns. He was averaging around 29 yards a play because he had that one carry on the reverse for a touchdown for 32 yards, and then he was averaging 26.3 yards a catch off of only three. And, you know, and this week I think we also got to see some of the off of the complementary pieces on the Chiefs offense, and, you know, they didn't run the ball all that great with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, especially late in the game when you really want to be able to chew up that clock. 
but he also caught the ball five times for 59 yards, averaging 11.8 as he put himself over 1,000 all-purpose on the season. And we saw Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman get involved. Uh, Watkins had those two catches for 52 yards, had a really nice hurdle on that one 37-yard catch. Dude, to me, it looks like they're starting to get Sammy kind of geared up in the playoff mode. And the other guy who, you know, he had a big game. He had did have a costly mistake, but that's McCole Hardman. He had the big punt return. You know, he had three catches for 40 yards. That fumble was very, very costly, but we're starting to see the Chiefs' complementary pieces. And, you know, as teams are going to have to lock in and find ways to stop Hill and Kelsey, it sure looks like to me like Andy Reid's trying to get Sammy Watkins and Hardman geared up and ready to go for when, you know, if some teams start trying to throw the kitchen sink look at us and start trying to show things that the Chiefs haven't seen before, they're going to be like, okay, you guys want to try to take care of these two? We got two more coming back for you. That's the thing that makes them so difficult, right? Is when you get Sammy going, you get McCall Hardman, and those those couple of those Hardman catches, man, they're just little RPOs. You're running inside zone with a with a bubble to the bunch receiver side, and and the one that he actually fumbled was a tremendous catch. Mahomes actually threw it behind him, and that thing was humming. He plucked it and then made some great moves. And then he just didn't finish the play. You know, the the defender made a good play, dove and punched the ball out, but. Man, what what a dynamic athlete he looked like on that play. And then you talk about the punt return. And once that guy got the edge, I was like, he's gone, man. Nobody, there's nobody catching him. Um, so that was great to see. And, and like you said, Sammy, I actually, if you saw my tweets before the game um, at JDiz1617, I tweeted out the prediction of the score. I thought it was going to be 37-20, to 20, the Chiefs win. Pretty close, not not a bad prediction. And then I said that uh, I thought Sammy would go off for 100 yards and two touchdowns. And, you know, he only ended up with like 52 yards receiving or something like that on two catches. So, I, I, you know, obviously way off on that. But that one catch that he had over the middle, um, man, he hurdled the dude. He he looked like he was, he was getting, like you said, he's getting up to be, uh, you know, the, the playoff Sammy that we've all gotten used to. So that was really good to see. These, these guys, they just, they can come at you from every direction. And when they're doing that, man, man, does it make them a tough offense. And like you said, with Clyde, you know, they weren't running the ball great, but I'll tell you what, they had he had two plays in the passing game where he the first play of the second half, he caught that little pass on the sidelines, didn't go out of bounds, run through a guy, and, and you know, and I think that kind of kept the momentum going out of halftime where they had just scored going into the half, and then that first play kind of gets him going again. And I loved how uh he tweeted out, I don't know if you saw this, Caleb, he tweeted out afterwards on a on a clip of it, and he said I had to take a Lesson from Marshawn Lynch on this one and just run through a MRFer's face, basically, is what he said. So <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> um, because, man, what what a great run. For being such a small guy, like, you know, he's not big in stature, but, man, does he run hard. And then he had another one where it was late in the game. Uh, they went empty, and he was out wide, and they the Dolphins just – they were all 10 yards off. And Mahomes just said, okay, just caught it, flicked it out to him. 11-yard gain, first down, keep the clock moving. They're out there under three minutes. Like, just such a simple play. But, you know, he catches it, gets upfield, splits two guys, carries them for another two yards, and, and gets the first where, you know, you're not having to dilly-dally around to, to try to pick up a first on third and one or something like that. So, um, love, love to see that. And, and kind of where I want to go from here is we talked about – you talked about the run game, how they really couldn't get that going. And something that kind of went on – really talked about I feel like it hasn't really got even much steam today that I've noticed I don't know if you've seen anything um Mike Remmers went out with an injury a back injury in that game and Yasir Durant ended up having to play 
And in the, the the way that this offensive line has been struggling, they they do not need another injury along the offensive line right now. <laughs> no, and that's weird. I have not really noticed too many people talking about that either today, but I you know, I pay attention to that stuff pretty closely. I noticed it as soon as Remmers had left the game and it was just like I was like, oh, I said something's happened to Rivers because Durant's in at right tackle. And when you look at that line across that way, then you're looking at there's only two of the original five starters that they were going to try to line up there, you know, at the start of the season are playing right now. And it's Ryder, you know, and he's a very up and down player, as we've seen plenty of times in Eric Fisher over there on the left side. But they had they it was weird because I thought early on they actually did a pretty good job at stopping and actually getting a couple of decent runs. We saw Le'Veon Bell get two carries and he had about 21 yards. He got about 10 yards on all those carries. So it wasn't bad. And, you know, Clyde, he had a couple of decent carries early. I think they went away from the run for a while, especially once they were down to that 10 nothing. And I think they wanted to come back. And then, you know, they opened the floodgates like they tend to do. But it's again, it was just another tough week to try to get anything going inside there. Now, if Mike Rimmers is out, that's slightly concerning because you see Durant, he was out of Mizzou this past, or he's out of Mizzou. He's an undrafted rookie free agent. We addressed it the other day against uh, when he had to come in for, he's come in before against Carolina this season. And, you know, to be honest, when he's in the game, the Chiefs are doing a lot of running the ball to the other side of the field and doing a lot of rollout type stuff, plays that are really hard to get him exposed on and get him beat. But I think he was in the game for about 10 or 12 reps, and he gave up a sack promptly to the Dolphins, who had about three on the day. Two of them I'll give to the offensive line. One of them, you know, it was just Mahomes doing Mahomes things. You know, more often than not, he's going to be able to get around the end and sling some crazy pass here. But it was just a fantastic effort by the Dolphins' defensive end on that play to be able to run him down in the backfield and set up that fourth and like 30. This is going to be something to monitor coming forward because the team the Chiefs have to play this week coming up, the Saints, I know we'll get into that here in a little bit. They have two really good edge defenders. They have Cam Jordan, who, you know, he's been one of the best edge defensive ends in the in football for the last decade. And they've got Trey Hendrickson on the other side, and he is a younger guy. He has 10 and a half sacks on the season. I believe he's at third now. So they they get pressure off the edge, you know, this so if we have to run an undrafted rookie free agent third stringer who, you know, in normal circumstances would be just a practice squad guy out there for an extended period of time, then they're going to have to be leaving people in to cut and chip and, you know, having Daryl Williams in there maybe to help chip off the edge and leave in an extra tight end or something to be able to handle that because he's going to need some help out there against those guys. But it is starting to get concerning at this point in the season for me at least from a protection standpoint, that the Chiefs are just having this many issues up front. Yeah, it's very concerning. You know, you know, and especially like you said, this is the time of year where you want to start getting healthy. Um, you want these guys all coming back and playing together so they can gel, and they just can't can't seem to get people healthy and stay healthy. You know, they'll get healthy for a few games, and all of a sudden they'll they'll be out for some games. So. Hopefully that they can get that figured out and Rummers, you know, isn't having any issues as of now. And it's not something that's going to kind of linger around because as we've seen with the back issues already this year, 
um, with Mitchell Schwartz, they can certainly hang around and, and have a long-term effect on linemen uh, for sure. So we'll take and keep an eye on there. And like we've kind of mentioned every single week here, we're still waiting for Martinez Rankin to get fully healthy and be activated and actually play um, or be on, you know, the 53 man roster game day roster. So th- th- they're still waiting on that. And I did see Wisniewski was, was active for this past game. So that's good to have a little bit of interior O-line depth. Um, if nothing else, but uh, hopefully we we don't need any more um, guys getting hurt. That's that's for certain. And, and you know something that I thought was kind of interesting with the Dolphins and what they were doing. Um, it looked like they were doing a lot of similar stuff up front to what the Patriots were doing, where they were covering all the interior mm-hmm. guys with linemen, having you know stand up stand up ends or or, or stand up linebackers on the edges, and they're trying to run you know some games in there, some stunts, or just trying to get just one-on-one matchups with these these offensive linemen and then playing, you know, a soft zone behind it. And I think that that's – you can see that a lot because I don't think that, uh, you know, people, um, teams don't think that they haven't noticed that the Chiefs struggle right now across the offensive line, right? I think that's the one big thing too if you want to talk about MVP-type races and everybody keeps bringing up how the Chiefs have better weapons than, than Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Okay, sure. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, yeah, I mean, those guys are close. Obviously, Kelsey's better. But Aaron Rodgers has one of the best offensive lines in the entire NFL, pass blocking and run blocking. Mahomes is playing with second, third, and fourth string guys, guys that wouldn't even probably be on the roster if if everybody was in full full go. Like, he still takes some of the fewest sacks in the NFL, and it's pretty much just based off of him being completely incredible inside the pocket. So, it's definitely um, something that teams are going to try to exploit, like I said, and it'll be interesting to see if more teams, and I figured we said in our, in our preview in the pe- previous week, if you remember, that you know Flores being a Belichick disciple, he'd probably go back and look at that film to see what they did um, to kind of try to slow down Mahomes, and, and I, sh- I figured something like that would show up. So it'll be interesting to see you know, if the Saints try to do that. You mentioned they already have two, two good pass rushers, so um, we'll see. I don't think the Saints have – the, the secondary, obviously, that the Dolphins do, but um, we'll get there in a minute. Let's talk about the defense for a little minute. And, and we're going to start, and this is this is going to be my last time mentioning it all year because I just, I can't, I can't handle anymore. I don't have any answers. Damon Wilson missed the game. Everybody expected uh, Willie Gay to get the start, and they said Willie Gay was getting the start. He played 17 snaps, and Ben Neiman played 70 snaps. I just I don't I don't even have words for it anymore. If you watch, there's a play where uh, the Dolphins run a bootleg to the left. Willie is sliding down the line of scrimmage like it's going to be a run. He recognizes boot. He gets depth, looking for any crossers coming back. And then Tua try or Tua or somebody tries to take off and run, and he closes. It, with some of the most athletic athleticism that you'll see from the linebacker position, I just I don't understand when you see plays like that how the guy is not stepping on the field. And I guess at this point you just got to come to grips with it because he's not going to. If he's if he's making plays like that and, and Damian Wilson is out and he's only seeing 17 snaps, he's just flat not going to be playing. He'll see we'll see him in base for a few plays, but that's it. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent on that. Because I keep seeing all these people want to say, oh, they're just saving him for the playoffs. They're doing they're not saving him for the playoffs. I mean, 
I've kind of come to the terms with it also because I know that exactly that play you were talking about. They were trying to run that little like jet sweep pass with the wide receiver or whatever, and it broke down just because the Chiefs played good coverage in the secondary. And he was dropped back, made sure he had nothing, checked it out. The there's like 10 to 15 yards of separation between him and this and the receiver for Miami, and he comes in and closes it down so ridiculously fast. I have a clip of it. It'll be up at some point later this week. But it was just one of those things when you're sitting there watching the film, it just makes you go, wow. How did he cl- – because it looked like it was going to be a big rip for Miami. You know, it would potentially be a first down. It could be a first and goal situation. And he comes in and just gut- – he just guts up and he goes there and makes the big stop. And he just comes in there and blows the play up. But, you know, what What did you say? It was something like 75 reps to 17, Neiman versus Willie Gay, even though Willie Gay did get the start. It's just – you know, at this point in the season, I I don't have much confidence they're going to play him the rest of the year. Like like we're just clamoring to see. I just don't think it's in the cards for this season the way it's gone. They're not just going to magically start giving him millions of more reps over Neiman at this point, even though there's obvious struggles with Neiman and Wilson. So yeah, it's it's frustrating because we can see what he can do. But I guess we're just going to have to hope that he can continue to contribute like he does when he's in the game and he can continue to be a contributor on special teams. And hopefully next season he'll be the guy in that spot to line up there with Anthony Hitchens and they'll be ready to go in. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's really at this point, that's all you could do because I just, I just don't see it changing. If it hasn't changed with Wilson being out, it's just not going to, but, um, Something on the positive side of the defense, which we've been kind of clamoring for and, and hoping and praying for, is that uh, the pass rush would show up. And we said if there was any spot to do it, it would be against these Dolphins who had, you know, three offensive rookies starting along that front. And, you know, we finally saw this pass rush show up and kind of really looked kind of like in the old form that they had been. And, you know, obviously, like I said, it's against three rookie offensive linemen. Um, but you know, maybe it's just the confidence that they can see themselves doing that and be have that production that this will start to carry over into the next few weeks here because you saw Chris Jones get a safety. You saw Frank Clark get a sack on a nice spin move. Um, Turk Wharton, just crazy athleticism. He put the offensive guard on skates on his, um, sack, which just, I mean, he was in the backfield just in the snap of a finger. It was an unbelievable rap, unbelievable pass rush. But that was, I thought, really great to see. And you also saw great production out of guys like uh, Tano Passanio, who I thought has been kind of um, almost a ghost, invisible, not so much maybe on the pass passing downs, but he did a great job in the run. He did get a little bit of pressure. He was smart staying home. And then the other one was Mike Dana. I thought Mike Dana had a really nice game. And, again, I don't think it really showed up with the sacks, but – a great job containing the edge, making some plays on the edge there. So I thought, again, one and, and Derek Nottie continues just to be to outstanding in every facet of the of the game, you know, when he's in there, which is predominantly on rundowns. But he just does such a good job, and the Chiefs really did a great job in general stopping that run. But it was really great to see this defensive line get some of that production back that they'd been uh, kind of missing over the past few weeks. Yeah, and I think that uh, one of the ways they were getting pressure is this week they were getting home with a lot of their stunts and their loops and twists and whatnot. Uh, the, the Chris Jones sack, that was on 
like almost a super loop where Alex Okafor came. Who Alex Okafor? He he had a good team day. He was getting in there, taking up blockers, but he got in there and basically picked Chris Jones's man to where it basically let him get free around the edge. And he got to get in there, and you know you show that athleticism for the sack. And you know, obviously, it's nice to see uh, Frank Clark. I don't think it was a spin move he had, but he just kind of came in and he just hit uh, their rookie left tackle Austin Jackson with just the like the little duck move and he was able to just make him miss all contact you know he got skinny he made himself not have a very good surface to try to punch and he was able to get back there and sack two of but man how about those young guys up front between Mike Dana and Turk Wharton those guys were balling out and you know Dana was the fifth round draft pick Wharton undrafted I I think it's really encouraging to see those guys stepping up and playing well because I believe looking at it um, Mike Dana, he had those uh, two T of the sack, and then he had another TFL also. He had three TFLs actually total on the day. One of them, he just came right off the line of scrimmage and blew up a run play. That was awesome. The sack he had, you know, it was more of a coverage sack just because it took so long, but he kept fighting all the way through. And then, man, they might have something special on these downs with between Wharton and Chris Jones on the interior. Those are two guys that have a ton of athleticism. And I thought a really great compliment to Wharton was during the game, you know, I'm on Twitter reading things on commercial breaks and, you know, Mitchell Schwartz, the chief's best offensive lineman, who's currently hurt. He was live tweeting and he tweeted that play of Wharton, an undrafted rookie free agent going out of a rookie out of Georgia and Solomon Kenley, the uh, guard for the dolphins. But he just said, basically it was like a very high compliment. He basically said that, he has just a rare version of athleticism that he's honed in every week to continue to work on his skill and his technique. And he said that he is going to probably be a big problem for interior guys. And if you combine that with Chris Jones, you know, cause I know we love Derek Nottie, but he's not a real pass rush guy, but if they can get another solid guy on the interior, like a Wharton, you know, they've been trying to get him going for weeks now and he's starting to figure it out. But if they can keep getting that interior pass rush going to where they have just these two monsters inside, highly athletic guys that make things hard on guards, that's going to open up everything else. You know, I know I've talked for weeks now about how the edge rush has to get going to be able to help open up Chris Jones a little bit more so that they could stop double teaming him. Maybe the answer is just going back to the going getting another really athletic pass rusher on the interior to keep helping loosen things up in there. But I thought overall it was a good day for the defensive line. And to be honest with you, the defense stepped up huge. You know, they're down 10 nothing, And, you know, they had a couple of big drives. They had to get off the field. They forced – they got just put in some real bad positions. But to their credit, they battled in the first half, and they really allowed the Chiefs offense to find their rhythm and get going. They really did keep them hanging around because you know you, we talked about the the Mahomes interceptions and the and the fumble Th- those happened that interception and the fumble they happened early so the Chiefs like you said the defense they had to step up and kind of you know they forced a field goal they they held them on another like you without that I don't know that's could could have been a different different ball game where the Chiefs are really kind of struggling from behind um, even more than they were. Um, at that point. So I don't know. I, I like you said, the, the defense with these young guys, man, that's really, really encouraging to see. Hopefully they can t- just continue to get better. And I kind of, I guess we'll kind of, I, I want to ask you, 
and I think we have enough time to do it before we talk to Saints a little bit. We've been talking in our Slack chat a little bit for Arrowhead Live about what kind of position we think that the Chiefs might go after in the first round. And we, we you know, we talked about in their, you know, an edge rusher, and we kind of just talked about some of these young guys. Obviously, defensive back, you know, with corner, Traverius Ward and Breland are not going to be under contract. Um, you have wide receiver, you have, you know, Sammy Watkins, you have all these guys gone. Obviously, we talked about the interior offensive line needing upgrading, um, but, you know, you'll have Lucas Nyon and a couple of these guys back, who knows, with Kalechi Assembly or with Laurent Duvernay-Tardif and, you know, all these guys coming back. Um, just kind of real quick, where, where do you think that the Chiefs will go in the first round at this point? Obviously, it's early. A lot of stuff can change. But at this point, where, you, where do you think they'll go in the first round? The There's like three positions I can realistically see them going after. And I really, at this point, I really don't know if I see them going after a young rookie wide receiver or even another defensive end just because they're already so invested in the defensive line right now. They can't really afford to spend too many more resources. But I could absolutely see them going after another linebacker and potentially maybe a guy like Nick Bolton from Mizzou who we think could maybe fall and be around you know, in the high 30s or in the low 30s when we think the Chiefs are going to be picking. But to for me, you know, I study offensive line play. I do a lot of work on that for I've been doing a lot of work for that lately. I think that just the fact that the interior offensive line has just been the weak side. It's not just been a weak side this year. It's been a weak spot on the Chiefs for the last three seasons. Now they've really struggled to find any type of consistency in there. And, you know, this year they're basically running in there with backups like Allegretti and, you know, Riders really struggled and, you know, Wiley also. We know what they're we, – we know what they are at this point. There's no more developing them. I can comfortably say that. So I would all like to see them draft an interior offensive lineman. Um, this is actually one of the better interior offensive line classes I have seen in a while. It's not quite as tackle-heavy – because, you know, tackle is the premier position. Last draft season, we had one of the best tackle classes of all time, and those guys are all starting to show out and come into their own as players this season. But this year's got some really good interior prospects. I like Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. He played left tackle at Northwestern. He opted out of this season. But, you know, on the film, you watch them. They weren't very good last season, but he was holding his own against Chase Young, who is – starting to look like he's going to be a big problem in the NFL, you know, but I think he's transitions well into a guard. Another guy I like is Trey Smith from the university of Tennessee. I think he's the best pass blocking uh, pure guard because he plays guard at Tennessee. I think he's the best pass blocking pure guard, but he also is a fairly athletic player in space to where I think he would be able to excel in our, uh, because, you know, the screen game and then the Chiefs like to be able to get their guys to the outside on some of those pin and pulls and outside zone plays. Those are two guys I think would be great fits. What What do you think you would be trying to hammer on if you're Brett Veach in this offseason? What do you think is the position they try to go after in the draft? I, I would continue to try to surround Patrick Mahomes with as many mm-hmm. weapons as possible. I could see them looking at one of the bigger free agents – that are out at wide receiver, uh, bringing them in, and then even drafting another one. I could also, like you said, I think offensive line has to be addressed. I don't think that um, 
you can have the offense that you want to have for years to come if you're not protecting Mahomes. So I think that that's somebody, even though I know you mentioned Slater and uh, Trey Smith, I think even like a Wyatt Davis from Ohio State along the interior offensive line, he could be a good option later in the later in the rounds um, or later in the first round. Um, and then the other one is I, I do think that they would look at an edge rusher once again because I think Okafor is gone. I think Tano has gone. I know that you you know we could have Dana slip in there, but after that, there's really no edge um, guys that I I would say you know obviously Frank Clark, but other than that 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 there is. So I could definitely see that. I I would think that of any of the positions, I think that it's going to be interior offensive line, wide receiver, or edge in the first you know three rounds. I could see all those positions getting taken, and with with the possibility of what the Chiefs have in draft picks because of the new rule that they set in place um, for minority coaches. If they end up losing Eric Bieniemy to a head coaching job, they'll get another third, and then I think they could end up getting a fourth and fifth compensatory picks um, for some of the guys that they lost in this past offseason, including Emmanuel Agba, who's been playing well, and Kendall Fuller over in Washington, who's been playing well. Um, so they could end up having two thirds, two fourths and two fifths, which, you know, with some of the top heavy contracts that they have, they're really going to have to try to get and find some of these guys and get these guys on rookie contracts to be, to, to be productive. Um, and that's how you kind of fill out of a roster of, of top heavy super talent is you draft well and you find undrafted free agents. And like you said already, they've already gotten two that I think will be staples next year on the defense and Turk Wharton and Mike Dana along the the front, even Legereus Sneed, who was a fourth round guy. So those guys are only going to be into their second years of the contract and super, super cheap. And they're going to be major contributors. So that's massive right there in itself. But like we said, there are positions to upgrade along that front and, you know, offensive line, edge rusher, and wide receiver, I think. Because really, if you look at receiver, even Sammy's going to be gone. Demarcus Robinson's going to be gone. You're only left with Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle as three guys who have you know experience um, along that front. So I could definitely see them bringing in a veteran. And there are some veteran wide receivers. Now, they're going to be expensive. you got Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, um, Corey Davis, all these guys are going to be guys that are going to be free agents. So I don't know if you can afford anybody like that. It'll be interesting to see kind of what the market is on like a Will Ford. Yeah. But even a guy like that with his speed, whew. I was going to say, uh, what do you think about like a Curtis Samuel? Because I believe he's a free agent also. Now, I know we kind of already have guys like him a little bit, but how do you think a guy like him would fit in to the offense right now? Yeah, with him, he he is interesting, but he does remind me of the Tyreek Kill, the McCole Hardman type. I don't know how much of like a pure like wide receiver he actually is. He is a guy that you'll watch Panthers games, and they they put him in the backfield, and they'll give him just straight carries, and not like those you know jet sweeps and stuff like that. They'll run inside zone with him. Um, he's that type of athlete. He did that a lot at Ohio State when he was there. He He's a guy that you can line up in different places, which I, I guess in, in an offense that Kansas City already has where you have all these pieces, he's not he's not a bad guy to have. But I would like to see, um, you know, somebody that you can put outside at that uh, outside receiver spot, um, like a Sammy Watkins, where he's if he gets a one-on-one battle, he can win a one-on-one battle. Um, through his route running, through through being an, an excellent wide receiver. And, you know, with the, the PED 
stuff against Fuller, I don't know if that's going to hurt him. Um, where, you know, he really hasn't been healthy ever in his career. So I don't know if he would just be another Sammy Watkins coming over to Kansas City, but he is also a guy that <laughs> this year when he was playing, he was absolutely incredible. Like he was he was outstanding. He was he was having a great year, and obviously they have, you can make the argument maybe it maybe it was the Peds, but uh um he would be super interesting. I mean the dream is Allen Robinson, but he's gonna go and play for fifteen million a year somewhere, I would think. So I don't think that's going to happen, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know it's a little tangent there in the middle of, of our previews, but I was just thinking about talking about the edge rushers and the D line kind of where, where we would go in the draft and what your thoughts were, you know, early into that process. But let's, let's move on and let's talk about the saints. Um, saints are coming off of a shocking loss to the Philadelphia Eagles who started Jalen hurts at quarterback for his first ever career start and a game that they were favored by seven in a game that pretty much everybody thought that they were going to win easily, and they did not. Do you think that that is something that, okay, they're going to be thinking now we really have to have a bounce back here? And before you answer that, just lay out a quick scenario for you. Um, The Chiefs right now, three games left. Saints, Falcons, Chargers. They can lose one of the two against the Saints and the Falcons and I believe beat the Chargers, and they're still the one seed. And, and, you know, shout out to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, everybody up here in Bills Mafia, um, for taking down the Steelers last night to get in Kansas City that that one seed at the moment. So, I, you know, the next two games they have to split, which I think they're both winnable, um, and then, you know, beat the Chargers. And, and they got that one seed. They got the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But do you think the Saints, this is like a big bounce back spot for them? And it'll be interesting to see. What do you think it'll be the difference if it's Taysom Hill or if it's Drew Brees under center? Well, number one, I got just a couple of things. I've been a big Jalen Hurts guy since he was at Alabama, and I've always really enjoyed watching him play. And he went out and he balled out against them. I, I have no idea if they're going to roll with Taysom Hill or Drew Brees, but after this past week, I could really say I could go with either of them. The only thing that's going to be an issue is is for the game planning type purposes because you know Taysom Hill he's more dynamic of an athlete but if they have Drew or Drew Brees in there then he's gonna be sitting back there you know trying to hand the ball off to Kamara that was a shocking loss they just came off though I don't think they you know I think they were you know what I kind of think they were doing I think they might have been looking ahead just a little bit because headed into that week against the Eagles I would, I sat down and looked at the NFC and I said, I think the Saints might have the best overall roster and they might have the best pieces of anyone because, you know, they've lost their starting quarterback and Taysom Hill's going in and filling in. They have a really strong offensive line. They have Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, who are both excellent players. And, you know, they have a good pass rush. They have pretty good linebackers. And But like you said, their secondary is not big. They're going to want to win this game, but I think the Chiefs, are going to look at it as maybe a preview of what they could see at a potential Super Bowl because this is, to me, in my opinion at least, one of the last big games of the NFL regular season. There's There was a big game last night where the uh, Bills Mafia did, in fact, expose those frauds, the Pittsburgh Steelers, because the Steelers have been exposed now. They are marked. I'm wasn't real sold on them at all before and I'm really not sold on them now but you look at it for the Saints this is honestly a bigger win for them because they're still I think looking at the standings for the NFC playoff race 
they're still it's still very much up for grabs because the NFC this season has just been bonkers. You know, the AFC we've got the Chiefs and the Steelers have pretty much pulled away from the rest of the pack, even though the Buffalo Bills are climbing. But you look at them, they're tied at nine and three with the Packers, and they're currently in the second place for that one seed. They're going to want to try to get that seed. So I think the pressure is going to be all on the Saints this week. But I do think the Chiefs, knowing that they can't afford to lose one and knowing that, you know, the Atlanta Falcons are not a, a tremendous football team and they'll be coming to our house the week after that. If I'm Andy Reid and I'm the Chiefs, you know, I tweeted this out last night, but I think this week the Chiefs are playing with house money. I think they go in there and just kind of see what kind of shot that the the NFC can handle at them, can throw at them. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of shot they throw back. Part of me thinks that this game could end up being a little bit boring. Part of me thinks this game could end up being like the 2018 shootout versus the Rams on Monday Night Football. I guess we're going to find out here pretty soon which one it could be. But I think we're going to get to see a very clear picture after this game of who the best team in the NFL actually is. I think that it's going to be um, a Chiefs win. I, I just think, I just think, that, <laughs> and it could be maybe just being biased, but I just think it's the Chiefs are just a better football team in general. I think that the secondary um, has their struggles with the Saints. Obviously, their front four is very good. We've mentioned that before, so that could obviously end up giving the Chiefs trouble with the way that their offensive line has struggled. But with with the way that the offense is, and with with the way Mahomes is, and Kelsey and Hill are playing. It's just tough for me to think anything other than the fact that they're even if they don't have their best game and they didn't even have their best game against the Dolphins. Now, the Saints aren't the Dolphins, but even without their best game, I still think that they can win as long as it's not Mahomes. Mahomes can't come out and lay an egg, and he hasn't done that yet in his career by any sort of measurement, whether it's film or whether it's advanced analytics or by any measurement. He's never played a bad game in his life. He's never been below average even, so... Um, I, I just don't think that they'll they'll have any chance of of coming out and doing that. Like it just doesn't seem like possible. And maybe it's just because we've been so spoiled and watched them win twenty one of their last twenty two games. But um, I think it should be a win for them, and, and I think that they should do it kind of comfortably. And I just with the way that Taysom Hill plays, he the offense is so different. Like you said, when Taysom's in there, Kamara is just not as involved, and that's not good for their offense. Um, Michael Thomas is, but he's still, he's been not the same player. And Drew Brees is just, um, had, didn't look great before his injury. Now he's coming off of 11 broken ribs and a collapsed lung. So if he ends up playing, that's a tough spot to come back into and be asked to potentially chuck the ball around and keep them in a game, I think. So I think the Chiefs win. Um, how big that will be, I, I, I don't know. Look for the tweet. I usually tweet out my predictions for that, so you'll be able to check that out. But I do think that they could potentially be um, a team that they meet in the Super Bowl. I think it's right now the Packers and the Saints. So I'd probably lean the Packers just with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now. Um, he's been he's obviously been awesome. And I, I, I get the, the whole conversation of why Rodgers is in the in the MVP conversation. I'm, I don't – take it that it, the wrong way that I was when I was saying earlier like that he shouldn't be because he should be he's obviously been playing incredible there's a reason that um he's the second favorite according to Vegas if you want to bet on it at this moment so I, I think the Packers probably are a little bit ahead of the Saints at this point but uh I, I do think the Saints are a good football team and they'll they'll be a good test I just don't know if um 
it'll be enough to beat Kansas City at this point. Yeah. Here's the thing I'm just going to say about the Saints, though. I think the Saints are honestly probably the deepest team in the NFC overall at like every position. When you go and look at them, I just think they're like a solid, complete football team. And that's kind of one of the issues I have with the Packers is because we know Aaron Rodgers is good and they have that great offense and that great offensive line. I see some flaws in the Packers defense. So I think the Saints I'm going to give them the edge just a little bit for best team in the NFC. But this is a monster game. And you know what? Um, you look at take a look at the Packers, and people say this about MVP. You know, Rodgers does have better numbers than Mahomes does right now. But you got to also remember a couple of things. Number one, the first four weeks of the season, the Chiefs were on cruise control. They didn't run anything fancy. They weren't really even throwing deep balls unless they absolutely had to. And you look at what the offense is starting to kind of get into here the last five or six weeks. They're starting to find that rhythm and that stride that we were talking about. And another thing I'll just say about this is you go take a look at the games the Packers have lost this year. They've lost a couple of close ones. They've also gotten blown out by Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. You take a look at the Chiefs only loss. Yeah, it was a bad loss. Mahomes threw an interception that game. He also threw for like 350 that game, I believe, a couple of touchdowns. You take a look at some of the close games Mahomes has had to win also. I'm talking about that last drive versus the Raiders. I'm talking about some of these games that have come down to the last possession and the Chiefs need to be able to kill the clock and they're throwing the ball against Tampa Bay, against uh, you know against the Dolphins this week. Tell me there is someone you would rather have because you know Aaron Rodgers, he's good. But I would say when the game is on the line, if you said you would rather have the ball in anyone else's hands other than Patrick Mahomes, you'd be sorely mistaken on that one. Just because I think when he's got the ball and the game is on the line, there's no one better to have the ball. And also, I saw some crazy stat today. This is just kind of, you know, Rodgers has the edge in stats, but Mahomes has like the highest deep ball passer rating of anyone in the NFL right now which is especially impressive considering how good Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are. I'm still going to give Mahomes the edge for the MVP, and if this game against the Saints turns into what I think it could be, the shootout that it could potentially turn into, I don't think there's going to be any questions after next week about who is going to win the MVP. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. And, and the like you said, and just kind of on, on top of that is you just – we have – Knock on wood, we haven't seen Pat Mahomes lay a dud yet. And Aaron Rodgers laid a huge dud against the, the Bucks earlier in the year where he got embarrassed. And Mahomes went out and absolutely torched the Bucks defense. So if you want to look head-to-head competitors, stuff like that, you can do that. Um, so I don't know. I still lean Mahomes as well. But I think that was that was good, man. Why don't we tell everybody what we've been working on and uh, where they can find you, and then we'll, we'll get out of here, dude. So go ahead, tell them what you've been working on and where they can find you. All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs. As always, I'll be having a little film review article this week. I think I'm going to talk about Tyree Kill's explosiveness later on in the week, but I am going to post some film clips of the defensive line because they had an exceptional game this week. So make sure you get on there and go follow all the content. Check it all out because we're working hard over here, and I'll turn it over to Justin and let him go ahead and finish out the show, guys. 
Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. Make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live. Go check out all of the articles that um, we pump out every single day. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts that we have over there. Um, you know, I think you know, if you're listening to this show, you're going to like a lot of the other stuff that is getting put out um, that we have. So make sure you're checking that stuff all out. I also do another podcast over for Borderfield Sports called um, Balling Over Beers. It's a betting, DraftKings, and season-long fantasy podcast. So if you're into that type of thing, that's a super fun show that I do with my buddies. Um, so make sure you can go check that one out too. But uh, we appreciate you being here, guys. Chiefs are 12-1. and they are in the driver's seat for the AFC right now. Pat Mahomes is the best player in the world, and we appreciate y'all being here. We'll talk to you later. To the Chiefs' kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!